Oscar night has come and gone, and I've got my recap. The highs, the lows, the hot dog fingers. Everything you need to know about the 95th Annual Academy Awards right now. Hello, everybody. I'm Dan Merle here with my recap of the Academy Awards, which happened last night. And this was, for lack of a better word, what a normal Academy Awards ceremony should feel like. There were no wrong winners announced. There was no switch up of the categories to try to manufacture a moment that completely backfires. Nobody was assaulted on stage. It was just your average Oscar ceremony. But this year still featured some really good speeches, mostly really good live performances, a lot of of very sentimental and emotional moments. There weren't a whole lot of politics that took the spotlight. It felt kind of retro in a way. It's not the kind of thing that's going to make headlines as the most memorable Oscar ceremony, but you know, maybe that's what they need right now. So let's dive right into it. Of course, it was a big night for everything everywhere all at once. It won seven Academy Awards, by far the most of any movie. The next most won by any movie was four Oscars by All Quiet on the Western Front. A bit of a surprising showing there by that film. And then The Whale, which won two Oscars. No other movie won more than one Academy Award other than those three. And there were several that walked away with zero wins. The Banshees of Sharon, nine Oscar nominations, no wins. Elvis, eight nominations, no wins. The Fableman, seven nominations, no wins. Tar, six nominations, no wins. These were all movies that either at one point in the awards season or coming into tonight were thought to be contenders for the biggest Oscars that were to be given out. And yet, everything, everywhere, all at once took almost every single one of those and left those movies walking away completely empty-handed. And if there is a downside to what happened last night, it's that so many really good movies didn't win anything at all. The Banshees of Sharon and Tar were both in my top five last year. Tar was my favorite movie last year. I really enjoyed Austin Butler's performance in Elvis, and I liked the movie as well. I liked parts of The Fablemans, and I think that if you were to tell any of us that those four movies would walk away from the Academy Awards ceremony with absolutely nothing, I know it would certainly surprise me, but that's just how this ceremony shook out. Looking at the studio totals, A24 absolutely dominated Oscar night. It won the most Oscars out of any studio with nine, including the above-the-line categories. The above-the-line categories are what's called the Big Five, a screenplay award, best director, best picture, best actor, best actress, as well as Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress. A24 won all of those. The only film that wasn't an A24 film was Women Talking, which won Best Adapted Screenplay, but you only have to win one of those screenplay categories to count as having swept those above-the-line awards. Netflix had five Oscars, Disney had two Oscars, and then again, no other studio had more than one. When we look at the record books, All Quiet on the Western Front tied the record for Oscars won for an international film with four. That ties Parasite, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, sort of appropriate for tonight, and Fanny and Alexander. Everything Everywhere All at Once becomes the first science fiction film. If you want to argue that it's not science fiction, you can. I'm going to argue that it is. The first science fiction film to win Best Picture. It also had the most ever wins in those above-the-line categories, which would be the big five Oscars plus the supporting categories. It won Best Picture, Original Screenplay, Director, Best Actress, Supporting Actress, and Best Supporting Actress. So that's the most dominant that any movie has ever been in those categories. Everything Everywhere All at Once also ties the record for most acting wins for a single film with three. Only A Streetcar Named Desire and Network 
have been able to achieve that feat. Michelle Yeoh is the first Asian woman to win Best Actress and only the second woman of color to ever win Best Actress. Ki Hoi Kwan becomes the second Asian man to win Best Supporting Actor, and this is the second A24 film to win Best Picture after Moonlight eventually won back in 2017. As far as my own personal Oscar predictions, I did both very well and not as well as I would have liked. I went 16 for 23, which I feel like I could have done better. I picked against my head in a couple of different categories, but I was able to pick a lot of the major categories right. When we look at the key correct predictions for me, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor and Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Original Screenplay, and Adapted Screenplay, I was able to pick all of those categories correctly. Some key misses for me, Best Supporting actress, which went to Jamie Lee Curtis. I picked Angela Bassett. Best Documentary, which went to Navalny. I picked Fire of Love. Two out of the three shorts categories, which are always kind of a crapshoot. And then Best Score. I picked Babylon to win. Ended up going to All Quiet on the Western Front. And let's talk about that upset. I guess some might call it an upset. I thought it was a little bit of one for Best Supporting Actress. Maybe not going into tonight, but throughout this awards season, because Angela Bassett and Carrie Condon were really the two names that were thrown around to be the front runners in this race. And Jamie Lee Curtis, really kind of starting with the SAG Awards, started to really make her presence known in the awards race. I said openly that I thought that Angela Bassett would actually take up the award. I thought that she had just enough of that momentum and that inertia from the rest of the awards season to take the Oscar, but it ended up being Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's one of those things where I'm very glad to see that she won an Oscar, but I'm also pretty sad that Angela Bassett still doesn't have one. It's one of those cases where you're not gonna be happy either way because somebody is going to walk away empty-handed. So I was a bit surprised surprised that Jamie Lee Curtis was able to close the deal and win that Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Also, when we talk about All Quiet on the Western Front, it won Best Score, Best Production Design, Best Cinematography, and of course, Best International Film. And all of those awards were racked up in pretty quick succession. And there was actually a moment in the middle of the show when it was on this run that I was starting to think, could this actually be something that's going to happen. There had been rumors, there had been hints that All Quiet on the Western Front had more support in the Academy than people were giving it credit for. And it seemed to perhaps be true in the technical categories. But when we got to Best Adapted Screenplay and it didn't win that, I kind of started to think, well, maybe that strength isn't quite there. And then the momentum by the time we got to the end of the night seemed pretty strongly in everything everywhere all at once is favor. But I do think that these rumors of hidden strength for All Quiet on the Western Front did prove to be true because it took a couple of those categories that not a whole lot of people thought that it would take. It upset a few front runners and indeed walked away with the second most Oscars of any movie last night. Another race that I didn't predict correctly was Best Costume Design. I think I picked Babylon and Elvis as my backup, or maybe you can switch those two. And it ended up going to Ruth E. Carter for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I'm happy with that win. I think she did outstanding work. She becomes the first black woman to win two Oscars, so a momentous night for her. And also, I thought it was very impressive that like a true costume designer, she color-coordinated the cards she was reading her speech from with her dress. Of course, that's why she's won two Oscars. So let's talk about some of the moments of the night specifically and pinpoint some of the highs and lows. Jimmy Kimmel returned to host the Academy Awards this year, and I think he did a pretty good job. He, he wasn't really there that much, which I think for most hosts is probably a good thing. The more you're out there, the more you open yourself up to having a bit that just absolutely bombs, and he didn't really have too many of those. The opening monologue I actually liked, I thought that most of the jokes hit because it was a bit of a roast of the people in the room. And I am happy to see that Nicole Kidman has finally 
been released from that abandoned AMC. And in the spirit of that roast, you know, of course, he's going to mention what happened last year with Will Smith and the slap. But I like that his initial target wasn't Will Smith. It was the people in the room, like I said last year when I was recapping these Academy Awards, that did nothing and just kind of pretended like it didn't happen 10 minutes later. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. Sit there and do absolutely nothing. I do have to admit, though, that he sent me into a bit of a tailspin on Rihanna because he kept talking about Rihanna. Rihanna is with us tonight. Rihanna got her first Oscar nomination. And I have only ever said, and quite frankly, ever heard, Rihanna. So I was sitting there thinking, did Jimmy Kimmel just mispronounce her name or have I been saying it wrong for like ever? And it turns out that I've technically been saying it wrong forever because I did some research and I found an interview with her where she says, well, yeah, it is Rihanna, but it doesn't really matter between Rihanna and Rihanna for me. So Jimmy Kimmel technically has had it correct. And everybody that's been saying Rihanna all these years, I guess, has had it incorrect. And this is just a running theme for me this year as far as pronunciation, because I've been going back and forth, correcting my pronunciation, sometimes overcorrecting myself to a correct one that was wrong. Uh, Barry Keoghan is a good one. I actually tried to research how you say his name, and I found some older interviews with him where his name was pronounced kind of the more traditional Irish way, which is Keown. So I started saying Barry Keown, but then I found a more recent interview where he says, actually, no, it's Barry Keoghan. I just say it differently than everyone else in Ireland. So I had corrected my, what I thought was my mispronunciation of Barry Keoghan to Keown, but now it's back to Keoghan. And then we have Paul Meskel, which I've been getting wrong the entire award season. It's not Meskel, it's Meskel. We've had Stephanie Shu, which I had to look up, Kihui Kwan, which I have been struggling with for this entire award season. And then of course, Brendan Fraser, not Brendan Fraser, Frazier, which I've actually been okay on, but a lot of other people have struggled with. However, I think that I have finally gotten all the pronunciations correct just in time for award season to be over. So it's been quite an odyssey with all of these different pronunciations, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot more wrong, but hey, I'm doing my best. Speaking of Kihui Kwan, if you were ever going to show a potential Oscar winner, what is the optimal Academy Award winning speech? What is the one that is going to delight the room, delight the audience at home, and really get across just how important this moment is in your life? It would be the speech that he made last night. It was my favorite speech of the night. It was the first acting award that was given out. I think it was emotional, it was sincere, it was sweet. It was obvious that he was so overwhelmed by everything that was going on. Mom. I just want an Oscar. This whole season has been so special for him, and it all led up to this moment, and it was absolutely worth it. My only nitpick would be that the choice of picture on the side of the screen, the one that was facing out to the house, was a little bit of a, let's say, a bit of a dissonant tone from the speech that he was giving. This is the best moment of Kihui Kwan's life, and here he is with blood pouring out of his mouth. But he doesn't have anything to do with that. It really was a highlight of the evening, and you could just tell how genuinely incredible this whole experience has been for him. Dreams are something you have to believe in. I almost gave up on mine. To all of you out there, please keep your dreams alive. 
And there were actually two really great emotional, teary speeches in a row because right after Kihue Kwan won, Jamie Lee Curtis won for Best Supporting Actress. And as I said before, I thought that she was really good in everything ever all at once. She wouldn't have been my choice, but I think that she was definitely a solid choice. And she gave a really great speech. Of course, she paid tribute to her parents, who were both actors. And my mother and my father were both nominated for Oscars in different categories. I just won an Oscar. But I also loved that she gave a shout out to the horror fans, the genre fans that supported her over so many decades. That, that to me shows genuine appreciation. Hundreds of thousands of people. We just won an Oscar together. Also somehow, and I don't know how this works. I have some kind of a, a hole in my brain. Every time I see Jamie Lee Curtis at a public function, I always forget that she's married to Christopher Guest, who is like one of the funniest people alive. To be fair, it's probably something that's easy for me to forget because they've only been married since 1984. I was born the year before. I've had literally my entire life to memorize the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest are married, and yet I've never done it. But it, it really was a great speech, and that back-to-back that -back duo of speeches, you would see something similar with Best Actor and Best Actress. That, to me, is what the Oscars should be. That's when it's at its best, when you have some winners who are a little bit surprised, who are genuinely touched, and who give a heartfelt speech with real emotion that speaks to who they are personally, not a, a laundry list of managers managers and agents and everything else, but a real personal testament to what this moment means to them. That's what this show needed. And they got a lot of it last night, and I think it was better for it. One great example of this is the Daniels, who were up there several times because they won several awards. And there was one part in one of their speeches, I think it was Best Original Screenplay, um, where uh, one of the Daniels, uh, Daniel Scheinert, I think, gave a shout out to his teachers. And that is so important to me. I've always said in my brain, if I were to ever win the imaginary, I mean, at this point, Oscar for Best Critic, which doesn't exist, but I always said that if I were ever in that position to be on a national stage like that, that would also be the first thing that I would do, would be to thank the teachers that got me there, because I am a very proud product of public education. And I had several teachers that played such an integral role in getting me to where I am today, even now sitting here talking to you about the Academy Awards. So even that was great to see. These are teachers that changed my life, most of them public school teachers, Miss Dumeier, Mr. Toole, Mr. Hudson. And they were such enthusiastic winners and obviously were just kind of soaking this all in. They couldn't believe they were there. Honestly, I couldn't believe they were there. Not because I didn't like the movie, I loved everything everywhere all at once, but I, I honestly can't believe that it stayed in the consciousness that long. The movie literally came out a year ago, right around the time of last year's Oscars, and usually that means you're dead in the water. There have been some examples, like Science and the Lambs, where that's not the case, but that's usually the exception to the rule, and the fact that that stayed and stuck in people's brains so much all through last year, through the summer movie season, through the fall, through that crush of awards movies at the end of the year, and then all through the awards season. How many times have we seen a movie that's a front runner that fades down the backstretch because they somebody catches something new? Everything ever all at once seemed to only strengthen as awards season went on and dominated the Oscars in historical fashion. I would have liked to have seen a couple of other movies take home an award, but it's such a special film and so original, so unique. I've, I've never seen a movie like it. I am also glad that it won as many awards as it did because it's a sign from the Academy, not just to people watching, but to the other filmmakers, that they are rewarding 
innovation. You're not going to be punished as you have been, I think, in years past for thinking outside of the box. You could actually be handsomely rewarded if you're able to tell in an unconventional way a story that's still very emotional and very much still about family and with a core that's just full of love and, and so many different types of emotion and history and everything else everywhere else all at once. I just think that it's great that this was the movie that dominated in this fashion because it's not awards bait. It's not the same biopic or academy movie you've seen so many times before. It is wholly original and it came in and dominated in ways that we haven't seen a movie done in a very long time, or in some cases ever, and I hope that this shows the studios that they can take more risks and make movies like this, because it doesn't mean that you're shut out of the awards conversation altogether. We have a lot more to get to with the Oscars, but before we do, I'm going to thank the sponsor for this video, Stamps.com. We're well into March, believe it or not. Time really flies, especially if you're a small business owner, or you're working independently, and planning is everything. And if you ship anything at all for work or leisure, it's time to level up your efficiency with Stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office, and it's ready to go in minutes so you can get back to work. Postage rates just increased again along with everything else, and luckily Stamps.com has the best discounts in the industry with rates you literally can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. You can get access to the USPS and UPS shipping services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. All you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale so you'll have everything you need to get started. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. Set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MERLE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MERL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. While we're on the subject of acceptance speeches, I would also like to say that we had, for the first time in a while, maybe ever, our first sung acceptance speech by M.M. Kirvani, who thankfully won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for Not To Not To. Let's just make that a tradition. RRR has to win. Pride of every Indian. And on the subject of Best Original Song, we also had five very interesting performances of the five songs that are nominated. There's usually some type of performance on the ceremony. Sometimes it's been a montage. Sometimes they do it remote. This year, they were all on stage. And I think that they all had a very unique flair. We had the performance of Natu Natu, which was incredible. That is a performance. I had some people, I was watching this live along with uh, my patrons who were saying they wanted more people on stage. And the one thing that I will say is I've, I've taken a tour of the, the theater where the Oscars happen. It looks much bigger on television than it is in real life. So you can't actually actually fit that much on that stage. I understand people wanted a cast of 500 doing the song, but I think they staged it pretty well. So that was fun to see. We had the performance of Applause by Diane Warren, which, I mean, I, if you like the song, that's great. To me, it was the most give me an Academy Award nomination song that I've heard in a while. And that, that's kind of what Diane Warren does now. And she gets the nominations and she doesn't win. But the performance, I, I suppose, was nice. I had no issue with the performance. We also had Rihanna, who performed Lift Me Up, which they took very literally after the Super Bowl, if I were her, I would be like, listen, I'm, I have, you know, I'm going to have a kid at some point in the somewhat near future. Can you stop just putting me up in the air? At least it wasn't quite as high as it was during the Super Bowl, but I thought that that was a very nice performance. And actually, I would have said that Natsu Natsu was easily the best, except for Lady Gaga came with something really interesting 
on Hold My Hand. It wasn't just her behind a piano, and she really did this sort of dress-down garage band type thing where, you know, very little to no makeup, wearing just, you know, sweatshirt and holes in her jeans. It's like she was just jamming uh, with her band, and I actually liked it. It felt very intimate. It felt very unique. I think this is what the Academy should be pushing singers to do, show a little personality with these performances because it wasn't just a performance of that song. It was very much a Lady Gaga performance of the song, and it's something that I think people are going to remember about the show because of the unique angle that she took. Now, there was also a fifth performance for the song This Is A Life From Everything Ever All At Once. David Byrne and Stephanie Hsu uh, performed the song, and I and I have to say um, that wasn't my favorite performance of the night, and, you know, I, I own the soundtrack to Everything Ever All At Once, and I know how that song sounds optimally, and I, you know, in a nice way, I will just say, um, it has a great potential to sound better than it did, uh, but it was also one of the craziest, wackiest performances ever on the Academy Awards as far as just the visuals and everything they did, and the Rakakuni was up there, and laser eyes, and, and you know, bagels flying everywhere. So it was definitely very much in the vein of the movie, but I do wish there had been a, a bit of a better representation of the song itself because I, I worry that people at home who hadn't heard it might have walked away thinking like, why the hell was that nominated? Still, we had the incorporation of hot dog fingers into the Academy Awards, which is another thing I could not have imagined just one year ago. David Byrne and his hot dog fingers, which just barely beat out, by the way, as far as bizarre sights that I never thought I would see in my life. Malala sharing the screen with Cocaine Bear uh, for a very surreal bit with Jimmy Kimmel out there doing audience questions. You know, let's leave Malala out of the bits. You know, she was there. She she executive produced a nominated short film. Let's just let Malala enjoy the Academy Awards. I don't think that we need to rope her in uh, to the crowd work that Jimmy Kimmel is doing. Although I did appreciate that he was still carrying on his Matt Damon feud. Was it difficult filming your movie, The Martian, because your co-star Matt Damon can't read and smells like dog medicine? That bit out in the audience wasn't my favorite, but it still had some laughs. And there was actually only one thing, really, that the show did that I had a big problem with. And it involved The Little Mermaid, although I was not angry at The Little Mermaid uh, for the reason that a lot of other weirdos are angry at The Little Mermaid, uh, mainly because I don't give a shit what color a mermaid is because they are not real. But I did hate that Disney, the owner of ABC, sent Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy out there to introduce the trailer for The Little Mermaid on the Oscar show. I got legitimately angry at this like I just started going no 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 when I was watching the show because it's just tacky is really the only word I could come up with it it's tacky yes you're ABC yes you're owned by Disney yes you're airing the Academy Awards you can buy ad time to show the Little Mermaid during the commercial breaks which they did by the way and that's your prerogative but don't bring people out on stage at the Oscars to sell one movie. That's not what the show is about. It cheapens the Oscars. And I know a lot of people would say, how could you possibly cheapen the Oscars? And that's a valid point. But at the same time, it just feels gross. Because to my knowledge, I can never remember that happening before. There've been plenty of times when they'll bring out presenters and they'll say, from the upcoming film, The Little Mermaid, uh, Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy, and they'll come out and they'll present an award or set up a film clip. But I can never recall on any Oscar show 
ABC actually sending somebody out to set up a Disney movie and sell it to the people that are sitting in the theater and by proxy the people at home. It felt like I was getting pitched a timeshare. That's not why I came here. It was so tacky, just ugh. And worse even because they were still playing some winners off during the show. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, sorry documentary short winner, I know you'd like to speak, but instead of taking this time to celebrate the biggest moment of your life, we need to pre-sell some tickets for our Memorial Day tentpole film that's opening in two months. It, it just doesn't feel right. I, I, the Academy must have agreed to let ABC do that. I think it was a bad move, and it's the one thing from this show that I hope never comes back. They made a lot of improvements, including bringing back the technical awards and having them presented on the air. Don't ever do this again. It cheapens the Academy Awards, and let's be honest, a lot has happened over the last 25, 30 years that have cheapened the Academy Awards already. But enough with the unpleasantness. Let's talk about some of the pleasant surprises for the night. Jenny the Donkey, even if it wasn't the actual Jenny the Donkey from the Banshees of Sharon was there. You know, you could just feel that love between Colin Farrell and Jenny. You understand why they made such a good on-screen duo. Speaking of the short winners, I love the live-action short winners having the audience sing happy birthday to one of their actors. That was one of those spontaneous Oscar moments that you get when you actually let your winners speak. And I have to say that when John Travolta was announced, I was prepared to just turn away to mute the television. He does not have the best history when it comes to the Academy Awards, but it actually was one of the most poignant moments of the evening because he was there to introduce the In Memoriam segment. And really, you could tell uh, just fresh off of the grief, still grieving uh, the loss of his friend, Olivia Newton-John, who was the first name listed in the In Memoriam segment. So that actually was a very, again, when the Academy lets itself be genuine and lets the people on the air be genuine, I thought that was a very touching moment from the Oscars. And the In Memoriam segment in general, Lenny Kravitz did a great performance. So it didn't look like they hit fast forward uh, on all the names. Uh, so they were just flipping through quick, quick, quick. Of course, there are always people that are left out and you can't always fit everybody in and there will be those complaints, but I thought it was a very classy segment. It was set up by somebody who had a personal connection uh, to, to someone who had died in the past year, and I thought that it was a good music choice. Uh, everything about it I thought was very, very well done, very classy, very tasteful. So after all those things, we get to the final three awards of the night. I'm glad they didn't put a commercial break. They just did one, two, three, which was great. And we had uh, really, again, back-to-back -back really good speeches from Brendan Fraser and Michelle Yeoh, who both are actors that I think uh, capped off really unlikely runs to the Academy Award. Fraser was the early front runner, but then most people had thought that Austin Butler had surpassed him or even that Colin Farrell was going to win the Oscars. Michelle Yeoh was somebody who up until two or three weeks ago, everyone had assumed that Kate Blanchett was going to win the Academy Award. And so I think for both of them, there was still a little bit of that shock because it was not a sure thing. Thank you again, each one and all. I'm so grateful to you. Good night. And listen, I loved Tar, and I loved Kate Blanchett in Tar. Tar was my favorite movie last year, but I do not begrudge Michelle Yeoh winning the Academy Award, not one bit, because I thought that she was so good in everything, everywhere, all at once, and she absolutely deserved to win that Oscar, and this is one of those cases where you can have a favorite in a category, but that doesn't mean that anybody else in the category, if they win, that your favorite has been snubbed or should have won, etc. There have been cases where I could look at a performance and say like, well, I think I could probably break down why I think that was a superior performance to the one that won. This was a case where there were just two really good performances. And honestly, 
more than two really good performances in this category, and somebody just had to win. And Michelle Yeoh's speech, I think, gave us a high point for the evening. Again, was very emotional, and you could tell what this meant for her after so many decades working in this business. Dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. And then following that, we had the coronation of everything ever all at once. It seemed pretty obvious at that point in the show what was going to happen after Best Director and Best Original Screenplay and Best Actress, but it was still a great moment to witness. I love that we had the Harrison Ford, Kihue Kwan reunion on stage at the Oscars that so many people had been hoping for. What a moment to sort of be the cherry on top of the Sunday with Harrison Ford and Kihue Kwan hugging, and I love that he tried to give him the Oscar, and he was like, no, 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 I got one. Give it to that guy. And again, the speech was great from the producer of the film. To my brilliant and beautiful wife, Ani, if all this shiny stuff and tuxedos goes away, I would just love to do laundry and taxes with you for the rest of my life. It was really one of those shows where like everybody who won, you're like, that's nice for them. I'm happy for them. That's great. It wasn't a hate watch for once. It wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't overproduced. It didn't feel like a, a show that wasn't the Oscars. They weren't trying all these radical things. Let's put it in a train station. Let's put in couches. Let's change up the order of the awards. You could tell that there's a producing team that came in and said, we're going to do an Oscars show. We're going to have a host come out. He's going to tell a few jokes. We're going to give out some awards. We're going to do a few musical performances. It's going to be three hours and 40 minutes long because that's how long every Oscar show is and then we're going to roll the credits and we're all going to go home and that's exactly what they did and like I said before I think that's what the Academy Awards needed they needed a normal show they needed a show with some likable winners and I think that that's what they got is it going to move the needle for people that are tired of award shows or is it going to win people back who have lost interest in the Oscars I don't think so but I've been saying for a while now I don't think you're going to get those people back anyway no matter what you do no matter how many Twitter polls you introduce to try to get people to vote and watch the show that didn't work last year changing the format hasn't worked I think the more that you concentrate on the fundamentals of this show which is the emotion of the winners giving these people their due, giving the films their due, being a real celebration of the movies from the past year. For the first time in a little while, the Oscars felt like the Oscars again. And for me, who is part of that core audience who will watch every year, it was kind of a comforting feeling. So those are my thoughts on the Academy Awards. What did you think? What were some moments that you wanted to point out that maybe I didn't talk about? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to come back this week. I've got, of course, Charts with Dan tomorrow. I'm also going to be breaking down The Last of Us Season 1. I'm going to have a review of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. A lot to get to. A very busy week as awards season has come to a close. Thank you so much, as always, for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stenge Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stenge Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stenge Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stenge. 
120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.